So, we'll bow our heads, have a word of prayer, and we'll have a call to worship. Father, again, we thank you for your abundant love and grace and mercy toward us, that you have made known to us the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you that we have heard this good news and that you have granted unto us that believing heart, that, Father, we can receive of the unburdening of our soul in knowing that you have carried the weight for us, that you provided the sacrifice whereby we are made ever with whole, we are made perfect in your sight. We pray that you are exalted, lifted high, and glorified through the things that we say and the things that we do in this day and every day. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon this service. We ask for the freedom and liberty of your presence to be with us in worship. The Lord, we can just cast aside those heavy burdens, cast aside those cares, to lay them all upon you and know, Lord, that you care for us and that you will lift them and bear them up. Lord, if there be any here who do not know you, we do pray that they will come to understand the good news of life in Christ Jesus. We pray, Lord, that if there are those here who are weighted down, that, Lord, they will find their relief here today and that the message will go forth strong. Again, Lord, we pray that you exalted be lifted high in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so by way of call to worship. You know, the whole thing for me, like on the call to worship, is I want you guys to be enthusiastic about our Lord and Savior when we go into this. You know, to, to, to call upon your heart and mind those promises that he's given to us. Because we have a depiction within the scriptures, and I'm going to read that a little bit, where people kind of forget that that is the strength whereby that we are able to lay hold of our divine nature, Right? He says that he has forever perfected us through his great and precious promises. So if we don't hold on to those great and precious promises, then we're kind of do everything by rote. You know, we don't want to do that. We want that living hope whereby we understand that Christ is abiding within us. Not like somewhere over here or over there or up here, but right here, right there in your heart, right? Right there within your soul invigorating you. I know there's sometimes when I'm out there, I'll get to the swimming first. There's sometimes when you're going through the day and you're feeling just kind of like, ah, oh, what's the point, right? You just kind of weighted down and what have you. But you know, when you recall to your mind that, that memory verse that tells you that it is in him that we live and move and have our being, right? When you call to your mind that you, you, you walk with his life now within you, you realize that it isn't always about the feeling or the emotionist or, or, or the circumstances that you're abiding in. There is that presence of God that is moving you, making you, transforming you, and renewing you. Amen? So that's why we can say with, with uh, uh, our heads held high is that because of him, because of him, we have hope. Because of him, we live and move. And have our being, Amen. So, uh, just to, um, so by way of the of, of scripture this morning, it's talking about uh, they were coming to to the tomb on Sunday, and it says, and they found the stone rolled. Oh, I'm reading out of Luke chapter 24, starting in verse two. It says, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. See, because they were forgetting that Jesus had been telling them that this was going to happen, that he was going to die, but that what was going to happen after he died? That he was going to rise again, right? He told them that, you see? Because, see, they, they were getting to hold on to those promises. You see, that's what I was talking about. you got to hold on to those promises. See, they would forgot about that. 
So they go to the tomb. They're expecting to find the body, and they get there, and they're like, well, what, what's going on here? This just isn't right. That's a pretty heavy stone. Who could have moved it? So they were kind of perplexed, it says. And it says that, uh, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, the two, um, sorry, the two men standing there said to them, why seek ye the living among the dead? I love that question, right? Why seek ye the living among the dead? You know, that's one of those interesting things when you think about it, because, you know, I was a young man and kind of grew up in church and stuff like that. And it was always kind of like, um, what do you want to say? Uh, the reverse of that. It seemed like when you went to church, it was <laughs> you're going out there and you really weren't getting among the living, you know? <laughs> but it's not supposed to be that way, my brothers and sisters. We are supposed to be those who are full of life. Amen? We have life. We have received the breath of life. We have received the gift of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We have. Why do we look out to the world? Why do we go out among the dead to look for the living? That's what I want to know. Because you find the living here, right? You find the living in those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have believed in the resurrection. See, they forgot the promises. We are not supposed to be like those that forget the promises. So that's what I'm asking you to do here this morning. As we look at this, we are celebrating life in Christ. Amen? Amen. And we have to hold on to his great and precious promises. Because it is by those that we become participants within his divine nature. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let us come together and worship the Lord. He is risen! <laughs> Stand up with us and let's celebrate our risen Savior. Hallelujah!
done for us. Hallelujah. He is risen, just as he said. Hallelujah. <clears throat> One day when heaven was filled with his
Church, our blessed hope. Hallelujah. The darkest day in history was over. All was lost on the cross. Beaten, battered, bruised beyond description. You gave it all. What went wrong? This couldn't be the end of heaven's story. Cause you came to beat the grave. Three days and now they're looking for your body, but you were gone, and now I know, you saved the day, the day you rolled the stone away, the empty grave is there to say, you reign, you saved the day. to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this special day when we remember that you did save the day. You conquered death. You made a way for us to be with you throughout eternity in your holy presence. And Lord, as we go through this message today, thinking all that resurrection means to us, help us, Lord, to take hold of it. Help us to, to get a greater grasp on on what you accomplished and what it means to us. So we invite your Holy Spirit to work in us, to speak to our hearts, to help us to comprehend it, to help us take it with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. 
Our passage this morning is from Matthew 24, from the verses 36 to 49. And if you would, please stand with me in honor of God's word as I read the passage to you. Matthew 24, 36 to 49. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And they said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Amen. This is God's word. You can be seated. Death is the... The greatest fear, I believe, that haunts mankind, and it has done so throughout human history. It's our biggest fear today. You know, during these last few years of, of the COVID pandemic, we saw all these extreme measures to avoid death. Businesses closed, many never to reopen, churches went live stream, children went to remote learning, and everyone tried to stay six feet away from everyone else. And even now, you can see healthy young people walking alone wearing a mask um, that study after study says have little effect against a virus that has a minuscule chance of affecting their young lives. So why are they wearing it? Well, in most cases, it's that fear of death, theirs and that of a loved one that they're afraid they might infect. Life is precious because we are made in the image of God. Every human life is precious. That's why they created cryogenic labs, right? The hope that someday when we pass, we could be brought back. And we're horrified at the loss of life in the Ukraine, the senseless destruction that is so heartless. But what adds to that fear in our day is that with so many people being medically revived from, the, from death, we have thousands of stories of afterlife experiences. Many are wonderful accounts of love and, and peace in the presence of Jesus, but others are frightening. Most people don't talk about it for fear of being labeled crazy. Some studies say that as many as 1 in 20 people have had these experiences. Some of the young adults uh, went together with me to the movie The Case for Heaven by Lee Strobel. And we saw accounts of people who were clinically dead. They're on a monitor. They're being monitored. There's no brain waves. They are dead <laughs> as far, so that the person can do the operation. And 
afterwards, after the operation, that person could describe the doctor's conversation, the tools that they used. And one person even described a shoe on the roof of the hospital. Now, how do you explain that? It really is unexplainable in the natural world, but there is a spiritual world. And we are essentially spirits who have a temporary body. The only reason I like to officiate at funerals is that for that one moment, people are cognizant of the fact that life is short and fragile. And that we're going to leave our bodies and every physical thing behind. And this all implies that if there is an afterlife, if resurrection is possible, we need to know what it means to us, especially to us who believe and know it's coming. For those of you with any doubts about Jesus' resurrection, I would encourage you to Google Professor Gary Habermas. He is the world's leading expert on the resurrection of Jesus. We have more eyewitness evidence of Jesus' resurrection than anyone else who ever claimed to be resurrected. And by resurrected, I mean someone who was dead for days and physically came back to life. Dr. Habermas lays out the facts that point to the conclusion that the Bible account is true. And that's why the disciples, who were fearful and hiding from authorities, became so bold that they were willing to die as martyrs. They had seen the risen Lord and they knew death is not the end. They had been skeptics. Even after seeing all Jesus' miracles, they didn't believe him when he said after three days he would rise victorious over death. None of them were at the grave waiting for that moment to happen. But when they saw him, when they touched his body, when they watched him eat, they knew he was not an apparition. Jesus taught that if we believe in him, we will have everlasting life. Though we die, yet shall we live. He said that because he lives, we will also live. That verse that we put at the beginning of your bulletin. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection. And the Apostle Paul clarified that when we die, our spirits immediately go to be with the Lord upon death. But when Jesus returns, he will raise our bodies and make them like his eternal body. Like Jesus' resurrected body. That's really difficult for us to imagine. But the same person who raised was raised from dead after three separate uh, who raised the dead, excuse me, after three different times. If you read the gospel accounts, you can see three different times when Jesus raised a dead person to life. And he's the one who said that's going to happen. He's the one who predicted himself that he would rise. And he did rise. We can be partakers of that promise if we genuinely are sorry for living in ways that displease God and ask for the forgiveness that he provided for us by his death on the cross. He paid our penalty. What then does resurrection mean? Well, first let me explain there are two types of resurrection uh, in the scripture. The power to change in this life is that resurrection power and the transformation that takes place when we die after our death when we rise from death. 
there's resurrection power right now for those who believe. That's the power to live a different life than the one we had been living. That's what matters for this lifetime, is this resurrection life right now. The Apostle Paul calls it salvation from this present evil world in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead, changing our daily lives into those that would be more like his life. Instead of selfish living, overindulgence, fear, and addictions, we can live without anxiety, love others as Jesus loves us, extend forgiveness and grace to those who have wronged us, break destructive patterns, and have peace and joy in our hearts. That all sounds nice, but it also means that we will be different from our culture, and that results in persecution. People are fearful of things they don't understand or, or that challenge their beliefs. But even in the midst of persecution, we can still have joy and peace the world doesn't understand. That's why Paul and Silas could sing to God after being beaten and put in stocks. It's a joy that can't be touched by circumstances. Salvation from this present evil world lived in resurrection power has eternal purpose and significance. We become attuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit and act at his leading, which is the greatest adventure a person can have. We see lives changed as people God touches through us are brought from darkness to light. We're advancing God's kingdom upon the earth. That's resurrection power at work within us. We can be who God made us to be instead of our old nature dragging us down. And we're free to walk with God and to do his will. The second kind of resurrection is that of these bodies that will decay and return to dust. Jesus' body didn't decay, according to Psalm 16, verse 10, but I'm pretty sure Lazarus' body did. So when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, he reversed decay. Now, we, there's no way we can do that, but the one who created us can do that. So on the day of resurrection, why can't he take the very dust he created us with and recreate us with bodies that are made for eternal life? Resurrection means that we will have new bodies, fashioned like the body that Jesus had when he rose from death. That's an exciting thought, isn't it? What, what do we know about that body that walked out of the tomb? Well, he seemed to be wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted. Locked doors didn't keep him out. If he wanted to be recognized, he was. If he didn't want to be recognized, he wasn't. He ate fish in front of the disciples, as we read. He said he had flesh and bone. You could touch him and feel his substance. He could speak. His body is referred to as glorious. Apparently, our bodies are going to shine with differing degrees of glory, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 41 and 42. Since decay is a result of the fall of man, in heaven there will be no decay. We will not age. Resurrection means that emotionally there will be no sorrow or sighing. God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. 
You know, um, my mother worried about a uh, relationship with one of my siblings. And when, uh, in her later years, um, she was in a, uh, had Alzheimer's. And, but every once in a while, she'd have a lucid moment. And I remember one particular time, she kind of came clear and she started weeping because of that relationship. And I, re I remember the joy of telling her that mom, when you get to heaven, that's all gonna be cleared up. Every misunderstanding, all unforgiveness will be gone. And it was such a, a joy to see her smile, realizing that that was true and that it was coming. Most of us have a place in our hearts that hold pain over some relationship that we can't find a way to restore or that loved one has already gone on. Would you for a moment look at that pain and realize that resurrection means there will be a day when it is gone forever. In its place will be wholeness and love. Man, that thrills my soul. And I hope it thrills yours as well. Forgive now, of course, and experience all the healing we can in our salvation from this present evil world, but also look forward to a time when all, all who are in Christ will have resolution in the most wonderful ways imaginable. Resurrection means our souls will be healed. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So let me address each one. Our 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 mind has what I like to refer to as ruts, especially if we lived for some time before we came to Christ. We had patterns in our mind that said, this is the route to satisfaction. Do this and you will be satisfied. And those old temptations keep coming back to us even after we're in Christ. They, rem they keep reminding us, oh, this is the way. Do this and you're going to be satisfied. Bad patterns of thinking. We associate certain things that are ungodly as the source of satisfaction because that's how we sought it before. But once we come to Christ, we have to constantly reject those thoughts. It's part of our daily walk with the Lord. We have to, we're doing battle and saying, no, it's a lie. I know it's a lie. I'm not going there. Jesus is the only true satisfaction. And that battle keeps us constantly reminded that we are in a war. When we see Jesus, our minds will be healed. All those ruts will be gone. Hallelujah. And our will. Our will is often naturally by birth because of Adam's nature, self-centered. Even Jesus asked if there was some other way than the cross. But ultimately, his will was to do the Father's will. We hope that it's true of us even now, but if you're like me, you find yourself sometimes uh, willing to obey but not really enthusiastic about it. In the resurrection, our will is going to be perfectly aligned with our Father. Our will is always going to be joyfully desiring to do his will. And our emotions. In these fallen bodies, sometimes these we can't help it. These emotions overwhelm us. And sometimes they take us down into dark places we'd rather not go. And we find it really hard to pull ourselves out. Now, listening to praise music, reading scripture helps a lot.
But it's wonderful to know that in that day, our emotions will always be joyful and excited about the Lord and his goodness. Mind, will, and emotions will be completely whole as God intended them to be. Hallelujah. Resurrection means that everyone you meet will have the same fruits of the Spirit as Jesus. This is one of my favorite thoughts. Because to me, this describes heaven. Relationships are so difficult in this life because we often lack the fruits of the Spirit. But imagine everyone you meet being like Jesus. With his love, his joy, his grace, and all those wonderful fruits that we taste a little bit of now, but everyone like that. Who are you struggling to get along with right now? Just imagine that day when you and that person have the fruits of the Spirit to, to, extent, to the extent that Jesus has them. If that doesn't thrill your soul, you're not quite getting what I'm talking about. I have a, a strained relationship with a few believers. I bet you do too, as well. And I can't seem to do anything about it now. I try, but there just seems to be that distance but I look forward to the, that day when it will be completely healed because we will be like our Lord. The tension will be gone. Forgiveness will be complete. Misunderstandings will all be clarified. Resurrection means that sin no longer will harass or tempt you. We'll be in a place where there is no sin and nothing to tempt us, even if it was happened there, which it won't be, but if it was, we'd utterly reject it. Second Peter 3.13 tells us we're looking for new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. And Isaiah 11.9 says, nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Resurrection means that nature will be healed and will be a wonderful playground. The lion will lie with the lamb, the child will play on the hole of a snake, Sounds to me like there's animals in heaven. They, one time they asked Billy Graham if he believed there would, their pets would be in heaven. He, his answer was, well, you want them to be. But I kind of think we'll just kind of forget about that. <laughs> There'll be so much new and so much that's wonderful. If nature in this fallen and cursed world is so amazing, I mean, look where we live. <laughs> if it's so amazing, Imagine what God has prepared for us in a new earth, or for that matter, in the universe. I don't know if you've heard, but there's this new space scope out there. The Hubble's old. There's this new one out there, and it goes around the sun. It's not orbiting the earth. It can see 100 times deeper than the Hubble. And you know what they see out there? 100 times past the edge of the, what the Hubble can see? More galaxies, lots more galaxies. It's so big, it's so vast, we can't even comprehend it. What's it all there for? Maybe we get to explore it. Who knows? Resurrection means that our capacity to love will be greatly increased. As believers filled with the Holy Spirit, our, our capacity for love is increased now. Christians forgive they love their enemies. I'm amazed sometimes when I hear testimonies of people who've, who've been horribly wrong or had loved ones uh, murdered and, 
and yet forgiving those who did those things. And yet I think we all know our love for Jesus is not all that it should be. Maybe this is more personal, but, but I believe my love for Jesus grows as his love for me is revealed to a greater extent. And I feel like my heart just isn't big enough sometimes to take it all in. But when we see him, I think the fullness of his love will be understood and received. And that will mean that, that our hearts will instantly expand to be able to love him to all the fullness that we should. Now, that's my opinion. I can't point to a verse. It's just from personal experience and a desire, I believe, is from the Holy Spirit. Resurrection also means that we will know the depths of God's word. I, I've been studying the scriptures my whole life, and I continue to find new and deeper things. Amazing things, amazing insights. Can you imagine how it will be when Jesus opens our understanding to the fullness of it all? If our heart had to expand to accept the, the fuller revelation of his love, it's going to have to expand along with our understanding to get the fullness of the scriptures. You know, you hear of Jesus appearing to unbelievers and quoting scripture to them. Well, if Jesus quotes scripture, imagine the power and the richness that's in there. Of course, they're his words. <laughs> we tend to zip through Leviticus now, but imagine if Jesus was the commentator and we started to see everything that's in the book of Leviticus and how it related to history and to our bodies and to mankind and to eternity. It's going to be amazing. There's surely so much we are not yet able to bear now, as Jesus said to his disciples. But when we're resurrected, the time will have come for full revelation. Resurrection means that you can fellowship with the saints of old. Got questions for the Apostle Paul about a passage? Sit down with him and ask him. Even he'll probably be amazed at the depth of meaning that the Spirit breathed through him as he wrote his letters. Do you want to know more about what it was like when Moses called down the plagues on Egypt at God's command? Well, sit down with him and talk to him about it. Or how he withstood all that murmuring in the wilderness. Or what did the burning bush look like? Just sit down with him and ask. Or how about Peter? What was it like to walk on water? You could even ask Eve what actually took place when she bit the fruit and what, what did that fruit look like? I want to meet Melchizedek and ask him if he was the pre-incarnate Christ or just a foreshadow of Christ. But all those questions we have, we'll be able to sit down with them and ask them. I'd even like to talk with some more recent saints like Billy Graham or earlier ones like Moody or Billy Sunday or even a little earlier, a couple of my heroes of the faith, Adoniram Judson and Hudson Taylor. Thank God, time will be no more. <laughs> Resurrection means that we will go to a wedding feast. We who have placed our faith in Christ along with all those saints who have gone before will become the bride of Christ. We will join that wedding feast in the heavenlies with our groom, Christ Jesus. And what a feast that will be. What a celebration of all of the above. What oneness we will realize making up his bride. Resurrection means that you will have 
face to face with Jesus whenever you want it. If we were bound by time, we would have to wait in this very, very long line to have an audience with Jesus. But since there's no time, any and all of us can be with him at any moment, yet it just be between the two of you. I know that's hard to grasp, but I'm convinced that it's true and logical. You'll never tire of his presence, but we'll want to hear from him firsthand. Testimonies of what Jesus did in others' lives and share our own experiences of his grace. I think we'll be shown all that Jesus did for us that we were unaware of as he guides us through this life and how he directed us to saving grace. Resurrection means that you can continue to worship Jesus. Revelation 22.3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Now, King James in NIV translates, His servants will serve him. The Greek word can be translated either way, worship or serve. Heaven is not going to be boring. We'll not only be worshiping Jesus for that increase of revelation of all that he is and all that he's done, but we'll be busy serving him. Now, I don't know all that entails, but I know it's going to be a joy. For, of that, I'm sure. Resurrection means that you will know Jesus even as you are known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Face to face with the glorified Christ. Words can't describe what that'll be like. But to know fully, even as we are fully known, is another one of those concepts I just can't wrap my mind around. To know him is to know God. Jesus prayed in John 17, 3, that life eternal is to know God and the one he sent into the world. Resurrection means we will fully know. Wow. So let's review these wonderful results of resurrection. And remember, because he lives, you will also live. That's why we're looking at this. Resurrection means we will have eternal bodies. Resurrection means that emotionally there will be no sorrow or sighing. Our souls will be healed. Everyone you meet will have the same fruits of the Spirit as Jesus. Sin will no longer harass or tempt you. Nature will be healed and be a wonderful playground. Our capacity to love will be greatly increased. We'll know the depths of God's word. You can fellowship with the saints of old. We'll be going to our wedding feast. You'll have a face-to-face -face with Jesus whenever you want. And you can continue to worship and serve Jesus. You will know Jesus even as you are known. So as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we celebrate knowing that it means all of this and more. His sacrifice on our behalf was accepted. Our sin debt is paid in full, and all that resurrection means to us has been made possible by that death and resurrection. Amen.
I'm going to ask Jill if she'd lead us in a closing song, and then I'll give the benediction. Hallelujah. Stand with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all these promises. Thank you for all you accomplished for us, for the glory of your Father. Lord, help us to look forward in faith and confidence in, in all these things that we've looked at today and more. As we read the scriptures, Lord, help us take hold of those precious promises and know what lies ahead. We thank you and praise you for all you've accomplished. Be with us as we go, Lord, and help us go with these truths in our hearts, with joy overflowing and full of glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>